0: does it seem so
1: inviting? Hey, guys. It's Bill. Uh, Apologies uh, for the lack of a proper show this week. Uh, Annie was indisposed uh, this week, so it's just me. And uh, since you guys probably don't want me just uh, rambling at you by myself about Star Wars and toys and video games uh, for two straight hours, I thought I'd uh, dish out a couple of uh, old uh, radio programs. I'm going to do this little thing again. Um, First up is going to be... uh, Let me see if I can... Figure out how I'm going to edit this. Uh, I think the first one's going to be a, an episode of George Burns and Gracie Allen. It's one of my favorite old-time uh, radio shows. This is an episode where George Burns is kidnapped by a gangster. Uh, I'm, I've, I've chosen to play this of all episodes just because uh, it was aired uh, the last week of November of 1940 19- 40, I believe, uh, which makes it seasonally appropriate, while well, with this being the first week of fall and everything like that. Uh, I don't think there's anything in the episode that's necessarily autumnal or Halloweeny or anything like that, but hey, you know, it's fun to listen to and think about how, you know, millions of people were listening to the exact same uh, radio show uh, this time of year. Uh, oh, God, how long ago is that? 76 86 years ago, a long time ago. Uh no, not 86. I can't do fucking basic math. And uh that's going to be followed by an episode of X-1 called Time and Time Again. X-1 is a fun pulpy 1950s uh radio program, science fiction stuff. Uh I, again, I've 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 played an episode or two. Of theirs in the past when stumping for time on previous specials when Annie wasn't here. So, But this is a new episode. I haven't played this one before. It's a good one. Um, Yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else that's going on that I should let you guys know before we come back and record properly next week. Um, the big thing is I think we're going to record, not me and Annie, but me, Bobby Roberts, maybe Mike Russell, uh, Leland Radburn, and Dylan and Katie... Uh, Dylan McConus and and Katie Lane, Uh, we're thinking about getting together for a big Star Trek podcast uh, that we're going to record after we record next week's proper episode of Boy Howdy. Right after that, literally, like, Annie and Foley will probably get up and leave, (laughs) and then Dylan, Katie, and Leland, and Bobby, and everyone else will sit down. And um, it's just going to be us talking about the past and future of Star Trek and our favorite bits of Star Trek and stuff. Kind of a little bit like the... Star Wars special episodes we've had, uh, I've had with some of these guests, but uh, Star Trek uh, oriented this time. Uh, we'll be talking about our hopes and wants for the new Star Trek series and all kinds of stuff like that. So, if yeah, if any listeners at home would like to. Uh, text us or email us or tweet at us with your favorite uh, Star Trek stuff, anything you'd like to hear us talk about on that Star Trek special podcast. We'll be recording a week from today after this, this, epi- this episode that you're listening to gets published. Uh, that'll be the, what, October 2nd, I think, that episode will be recorded and uploaded so next Sunday, essentially. So yeah, anytime in the next week, just hit us up if you have any kind of Star Trek thoughts or feelings about your favorite Star Trek characters, or series, or spaceships, or captains, or any of that kind of stuff. And yeah, so, well, that being said, I'll shut up and let you guys get back to listening to the radio show. And uh, take care of yourselves, and thanks again for listening. It's always appreciated.
2: You <laughs>
3: From Hollywood, the George Burns and Gracie Allen show for Hormel and Spam.
2: Crazy people, Spam Rebuff Boom Spam, George Burns and Gracie Allen. On the show and his orchestra Singing Glee with a smoothie sweet Last but not least And with the Heaston
3: It burns and allanite again at your house and yours sincerely has another helpful hint for housewives. Here's a suggestion for a one plate meal that's quick to get, economical to use, grand to eat. Serve a hot Spamwich. Just open a can of Spam S-P-A-M. Put slices of this tender juicy meat on toast then slice tomato, Bermuda onion or sweet pickle. Cover with thin slices of cheese and pop into the oven until the cheese melts and there's your one plate meal that really makes a hit. Everybody likes the meaty, taste-tempting flavor of Spam. you like a hot Spamwich because it's so easy to serve and does a grand job of pleasing even the huskiest appetite. Get a can or two of Spam when you shop tomorrow and surprise your family with a hot Spamwich. Then try the other recipes on the label of the Spam can. You'll discover that cold or hot Spam hits the spot. <laughs> And gentlemen, last week, as you all remember, George Burns was taken for a ride by Huey Salas, that notorious gangster. We haven't heard from him since, and we feel the worst has happened. But the show must go on, so tonight we bring you his partner, Gracie Allen, in mourning, wearing a black dress which was especially designed for her by Scaparelli. And here she is. Oh, it's
2: awful! It's simply awful.
4: I just can't stand it.
2: Yes, it is.
4: Every time I look at this black dress, I just can't stand it.
3: Because George is gone?
4: No, last night I saw a girl wearing a dress just like it.
2: Well,
3: Gracie, if you think you have troubles, I wonder what that gangster could have done to George.
4: Well, maybe he threw George in the and right now. He's starving to death.
3: If you're in a river, you drown. You don't starve to death.
4: The Los Angeles River? <laughs>
3: Maybe maybe he wasn't killed, though.
5: Well, if he wasn't killed, where can a guy disappear to for a whole week? <laughs> maybe he's watching a double feature.
4: Well, I don't know. I did everything I could. I was out with the chief of police every night until I couldn't keep my eyes open. You were, huh? Oh, boy, can he dance. <laughs>
5: Well, I'm certainly going to miss George. He was a great guy to work for.
4: Oh, that's right, Addy. He was good to his folks.
5: He never turned down a friend. Mm-hmm. Yep, and even though he yelled once in a while, he was the salt of the earth.
4: He was kind, considerate, lovable. It's so
5: generous. Look, why don't we quit lying to each other?
6: <laughs> yeah, wasn't he cheap?
4: Now, look, I... <laughs> of you boys to pan George before me.
5: That's right, that's
4: right. I've known him the longest and I should pan him first. Yeah, what's
2: he
5: (laughs) You remember the time he found a box of corn plasters?
4: Yeah, Yeah. and then he went out and bought a pair of tight shoes. (laughs) Uh
5: Uh, Gosh, you remember how he used to go over to his house and he'd play the Victrola for hours? Yeah. uh, Yeah. Until we ran out of nickels.
2: Oh,
4: I don't know. He wasn't so cheap as that. For my birthday, he bought me a fur neck piece. It was real fox. Silver? No, terrier. (laughs)
3: <laughs> That's Poopsie, all right Fox Terrier
4: Yeah, when I told my friends I was putting on the dog I wasn't kidding
2: <laughs> <laughs>
6: Well, hello, everybody Here I am, glad to see me <laughs>
4: Well, can't you say something? Well, we don't know what to say Well, can't you say you're happy I'm back? I mean, we don't know what to say to the insurance company We reported you dead
6: The insurance company? But I'm not dead
5: Yeah, but George, you see, Gracie is the beneficiary And we're splitting the money three ways And now you show up
6: alive You're putting us in an awful spot
4: Yeah Now,
6: wait a minute you told the insurance company that I was dead.
4: I didn't tell them. Well, sure, if you told them, they wouldn't believe it. <laughs> a fine
6: reception. Say, George, tell me, what happened when you put on Gracie's
3: clothes and pre- pretended you were her Aunt Clara to fool that gangster, Huey Salas? Did the get-up
6: work? Worked too well. Took me for a ride, and he drove me way out to a lonely spot. And then he parked the car,
2: <laughs> and...
6: What well... What happened? Who's got that line? That's Artie.
2: I yeah. just said what it.
3: What
6: happened?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, Artie. Let's start again,
6: Artie. All right, George. Well,
2: let's take I, uh, I walked
6: home and I've got a TL for you later.
2: <laughs>
3: well, George, it uh, doesn't take a week to walk home from a parked
6: car. It does when it's parked in Albuquerque. <laughs> Why didn't you try to hitchhike a ride like Claudette Colbert did? And it happened one night. That's just what I did. I saw a car coming, and I got out in the middle of the road, and I picked up my skirts and showed my legs. And what do you think happened? Well, with your bow legs, the car probably drove right through.
2: <laughs>
6: How do you like that? Couldn't hitchhike a ride, and here I've got a three thousand dollar car in my garage.
4: Two thousand. Two thousand. Yeah, that's all Bud could get on. It. <laughs>
6: But as soon as you thought I was gone, you sold my beautiful yellow car.
3: Oh, well, now, don't feel that way about it, George. <laughs> Out of respect to you, before I sold it, I had it
6: painted black.
2: <laughs>
6: well, I can see that everybody around here was certainly grieving over me.
5: You said it, George. I was so unhappy that for two nights I forgot to wind your watch.
6: <laughs> my watch? Gracie, you've got no right to give my things away. Yeah, Mr. You... Burns, if you'll allow a sound
3: man to add a word of humble appreciation. I would like to take this opportunity to thank you for the gift of
6: your library. My... <laughs> my library? Gracie, you gave him my whole library? Yes, both books. <laughs> well, I hope you enjoy them, sound man. Mr. Burns, I'm counting the
3: hours until I can start reading them. Just think. Tom Swift and his electric flying machine
6: and the Bobsy twins at Spruce Lake. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you people may not worry about me, but I don't care. I know someone who loves me. My mother. I can see her right now, standing in the window, waiting for me.
4: And do you know why she's standing there? Well, she has to. we sold all the furniture.
2: (laughs) Well,
6: imagine dividing all my things, and here I thought I was among friends.
3: And now, Artie Shaw, who has just received the Song Hits Magazine Award as the Orchestra Leader of the Month, will play My Heart Stood Still. Congratulations, Arthur.
6: plans you've all made to spend the money. Life insurance isn't payable until you're dead, and I'm not dead. But, George, nobody will know the difference. Those ridiculous suggestions you make. Supposing they do find my hat in the river. That won't mean anything. Well, it will if you've got it on. Well, I'm not going to do it. Oh, Look, George, why do you want to live? <laughs> I want to see if little Abner gets married, that's why. I don't, I don't know what you're complaining about, Artie With your salary, I could buy myself a new suit every day That's what I'm complaining about, you do <laughs> Oh, say,
3: we forgot to tell George the insurance adjuster will be up here any minute now We've got to think of a plausible story
6: to tell him let me get you people straight, Senor Burton. If you think, Senor Burton, for one minute that I'm going to take hey uh, oopsie! Stop. <laughs> Stop with that oopsie. Uh, we can tell you know, the I insurance man. Uh, you know what? Uh, we can tell the insurance man you died like my uncle from the weasels. The weasels? See, si. it's measles. How could your uncle die from the weasel? Uh, he was crossing the railroad track, and he didn't hear the weasel. <laughs>
3: Let's see. uh, Why don't we just tell the insurance man that George got pneumonia by sitting before an open window?
4: Oh, no, that wouldn't work. George is too old to be in the draft.
6: (laughs) Now, look, I made one mistake last week, and I'm... Oh, boy. Gracie, answer that.
4: Hello. Spam's Meatheart. Gracie Allen speaking.
6: Hello. This is Huey Salas. Tell George Burns, as soon as I get out of the county jail, I'm coming over to rub him out.
4: Oh, oh, so you can't get out of the jail, huh?
6: No. Oh, he can't get out of No. Well, tell him Aunt Clara sends her love.
4: Oh, um, uh, Aunt Clara sends her love. Oh, is Aunt Clara there?
2: Yes. Yeah. Wait a minute. Tell Ducky I'll be right over.
4: <laughs> you mean, you mean he broke out? Huh? Don't look now, Ducky But your goose is cooked (laughs) This is... This is awful What'll I do?
3: Well, look uh, I got an idea When the insurance adjuster gets here Tell him that you died last week And he'll
6: declare you
4: legally dead And then nobody can tell you Not even Dewey Sowers
6: Well, how do you like that? I've got to die to save my life (laughs) How can I tell the adjuster I'm dead?
4: I'll be standing right here in front of him Yeah, but you won't be George Burns You'll be George Burns' father My father? yes my father? Yes. How could I be my own father? I'll marry Huey Sallas and just adopt yourself. Oh, quiet.
6: Quiet. Sound, man. See who's ra- see see who that is. That may be Huey Salas. In
3: just a moment, Mr. Burns. I'm reading the life of Napoleon Bonaparte. It's only 16,000 pages, it won't take long.
6: See if that gangster is outside, it won't take long. What's your idea of a short, short story? The life of George Burns.
2: <laughs> see if that's Huey
6: Salas. It isn't. Oh, go ahead. Let him in. Good evening. And my name is Stebbins. I'm from the insurance company. And oh, uh, I...
4: George Burns is dead.
6: Say, wait a minute, mister. You resemble George Burns. Oh, why shouldn't I? I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm George Burns' father? Yes. A man of your age, George Burns' father? Well, that's hard to believe. Well, thanks. Uh, but I guess it's possible. Maybe you got married late in life.
2: Yeah. Oh. <laughs>
6: If I were alive, I'd tell this guy something. <laughs> I just can't get over Mr. Burns' resemblance to his son, George. <laughs> well,
5: after all, like father, like son, <laughs> he has my blood. I knew somebody must have
6: had it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, we're exactly alike. George was a handsome lad. He got his eyes from me, and he got that cute little nose from me, and he got those pretty little ears from me,
4: and he got his teeth from Dr. Cowan. <laughs>
6: <laughs> he did not. Poor George. I don't know where he went, but
3: wherever he went, I hope he took a lot of Spam along with him.
5: Spam? Where George is?
3: (laughs) Well, Artie, (laughs) see, uh, Spam doesn't need any refrigeration.
2: (laughs) Well, cold or hot, we
6: got it in the spot. (laughs) You see, our company has to be very careful on matters like this, but of course, if you're sure that he died... Well, sure,
4: we're sure. I remember how surprised we were at the time. Dying was the last thing we thought he'd do.
2: Well,
6: that's life, I guess. You know what happens when your number is called?
4: Yeah, you holler screen off. It's a mistake, man. Read never mind, number never now mind, never mind. Forget. forget the whole thing.
6: Well, I guess everything's all right. You'll have to forgive me for asking those questions. We have to watch out for fraud, you know.
3: <laughs> fraud? Yes, like trying to collect insurance under false pretenses.
6: Well, anyway, now that Mr. Burns is dead, what do we get? Twenty thousand dollars. Well, assuming that George is not dead, does anybody get anything? Yes, he gets 20 years. <laughs> Darn and I get into more trouble than John Barrymore. Well, there's uh, just one more little thing before we pay out any money. We must be certain that the insured person is not living. Now, the simplest way is to view the body, and I know a corpse when I see one. Well, this has gone far enough. I'm George Burns. Hmm... The check will be in the mail in the morning. <laughs> I, uh, I wonder
3: what he means by that. And now the smoothies, Babs, Charlie, and Little will swing out on I Got Rhythm."
2: I got my gal, who could ask for anything more? Home and trouble, I don't mind him. You won't find him at my door. I got starlight, I got street dreams. I got my gal, who could ask for anything more? Who could ask for anything more? I got the rhythm, I got the rhythm Never feel low down I got the rhythm and I'll strut on down I got the music, I got the music I'm on the street, the street with the rhythm It's the sunny side of the street Days can be sunny with never a sigh Don't need what money can buy Why shouldn't we sing along? I'm tipper all the day, heavy with my life. How do I get that way? Look, Look at what I've got. I got the rhythm. I got the rhythm. I got rhythm. I got music. I got hot gal who good ask for anything more. I got
5: Daisy. Green pastures I got my gal Who could
2: ask For anything more Old man's trouble I don't mind him You won't find him Round my door I got the rhythm Rhythm I got the rhythm Rhythm I got starlight I got sweet dreams I got my gal Who could ask For anything more Got rhythm. Rhythm. i got the rhythm. i got the rhythm. Who could ask for anything more? Look,
6: Bud, when Yui Salas comes in, I'll have to run in and get fresh. Oh, well, uh, no, not now, George.
3: I'm sorry. I've got a little message oh, here. Oh, I forgot this. For, hey, uh, you. for a grand lunch, oh, just Gracie.
7: over. Here. Oh, hello. Gracie, pardon me for interrupting your broadcast, but I just had to drop in to uh, tell oh, you. Oh, please, please, girls, I'm talking. Gracie, I simply had to tell you that I tried the grand suggestion you made last week. Oh, about spam biscuit waffles. Wasn't that good? Oh, girls. Perfect. Please. You should have seen the way my family went for those waffles and hot slices of fried spam. Oh, well, did your waffles turn out all right, nice and fluffy? Look, do you mind, Wonderful, if I have... Gracie. Waffles made with biscuit are simply grand and so easy to make. The easy directions are right on the package. And you know, most of the waffle ingredients, expertly blended, are right in this quick. I was delighted. As I was saying. Oh, well, that's fine. Did you, did you like the Spam? Did we like it? Gracie Spam is all you say it is. I told you. My, such tender, juicy, delicious meat. And such a time saver. All ready to eat as soon as you open the Spam can. All I did was pop a few slices into the frying pan for a jiffy. And believe me, Gracie, the meaty flavor of lightly browned, sizzling hot slices of spam and those golden, delicious Bisquick waffles really made a hit. Now, oh,
3: look, please, would you mind if oh, I have. Ha-
7: have you tried spam and waffles for supper, too?
3: Oh, please, I'm the announcer on this show. Just give me one more chance.
4: Oh, yes. Oh, pardon us, God.
3: Only a third of a page left. <laughs> But I'm inspired, so here goes. Now, ladies, just before you close the waffle iron, dice Spam and drop on the batter. Wait till you get a whiff of the aroma of the savory, juicy meat, the rich flavor trickling through the delicious waffles. And it's so easy. So ask for a can or two of Spam, S-P-A-M, a a Hormel product, and a package of General Mills Bisquick, B-I-S-Q-U-I-C-K, when you shop tomorrow.
5: Slice it, dice it,
2: fry it, bake it, cold or hot, slam
4: hits the spot Say, where's George?
5: Huey Salas will be here any minute. George is inside putting on one of your dresses.
4: Oh, so he'll look like Aunt Clara, huh? Yeah. How can
5: a smart gangster like that Huey Salas fall for that Aunt Clara stuff? George with that face that needs a shave and those hairy arms and false teeth and a cigar stuck in his mouth. Where can you find a woman that looks like that?
4: On a Bob Hope Show. <laughs> now, look,
3: uh, we got George into this mess, and it's up to us to get him out of it.
4: Oh, well, I've got an idea. Huey Salas wouldn't like Aunt Clara if he knew that she had a baby. Baby? But she hasn't got a baby. Yes, she has. Who? You. Me? <laughs> yeah.
5: If I'm a baby, how can I play clarinet?
4: Oh, put a nipple on the end of it. <laughs> Aunt
5: Clara Huey Salas, why must I get into this triangle?
4: Well, babies always get into triangles if you know what I mean.
5: <laughs> okay, but my heart won't be in it.
4: Oh! <laughs>
6: Laugh, go ahead, just laugh (laughs) Oh, boy The things I have to do to make a million dollars
4: What's so funny? Oh, look at you, George You've got your bustle on in front (laughs) So what? When Huey sees it, he'll think you're walking out on him
6: (laughs) You'd better off if I was taken for a ride than putting on the silly girdle Gee, I can't breathe
4: What girdle?
6: The red one that was hanging in the closet.
4: <laughs> Gee, I thought
6: I'd never get into it.
4: though That was a hot water bottle. <laughs> a hot water bottle? Yes.
6: There must be an easier way to get rid of that gangster. <laughs> Mr. Burns. What does it sound
3: like? While in Harvard, I wrote a book on criminology. Chapter 8 of this book deals with the
6: fear psychosis.
3: Procedure is to look the criminal straight in the eye, and the intensity of the stare
6: frightens him. What happens if I look at him very intensely, and he doesn't become frightened? Then you turn to
3: Chapter 9, The Care and Treatment of Broken Noses.
6: <laughs> Look, Dr. IQ, with you don't... Oh, that must be Huey Sala. Now, don't forget, everybody. From now on, I'm Aunt Clara. Yes. <clears throat> Come in. Hello, babe.
2: <laughs> Hello,
6: Huey. Where's Judge Burns?
4: Oh, uh, Judge Burns? He's dead. He died. Oh, yes, he
6: died. He's dead. Oh, boy, is he dead. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. I'd give anything if that boy were only alive. Why, Huey? Because I'd like to kill him again.
5: <laughs> oh, 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 What's
6: the matter, babe? Oh, no, no, nothing, Huey. When I see you, my blood begins to boil. Babe, that's love.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah
4: that's a hot water bottle. <laughs>
6: <laughs> Gracie, please. Babe, come over here and sit down on Huey's left.
2: No. <laughs> Come here <No. laughs> Come here I'm coming, I'm coming, Huey
6: <laughs> Look what I got for you, babe Some jewelry For
4: me? Why, it's beautiful It's gorgeous Well, what is it? A pair of brass knuckles with a diamond in
2: it
6: Brass knuckles with a diamond in it? It belonged to my mother. <laughs> Why, Yui? How did you ever think of getting a thing like that for me? I wanted something that would knock your eye out.
2: <laughs>
6: oh, you shouldn't have done it, Yui. Ah, you deserve nice things. Are ah, you pretty, Hardy, darling dame? Well, you know. he may
4: be Hardy, but you'll never see tidy again. <laughs>
6: She's just jealous. Aunt Clara. you mean now you're going to be a gangster's mule? <laughs> Senor, it's not mule. You mean mob. Mule. No, 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 no. Mule is jackass.
2: You're a peacock? <laughs> hey,
6: you cockroach. You can't talk that way to my dame. You don't scare me. I can fight anybody with one hand. Yeah? Why don't you fight me? You got one hand.
2: <laughs> oh,
6: don't mind him, your Okay, babe. Well, I never told this to a dame before. Clara, I want you to be my wife. <laughs> your, uh, your
2: your
4: wife?
6: Well, why don't you answer, babe? Oh, Huey, this is so sudden.
4: Yes, you probably touched a warm spot in this hot water bottle. Oh.
6: Well, are you going to marry me? Why, no, no, Huey, I can't marry you. Not that. I'm young, I'm gay, I love life, I want to live. <laughs> babe, I'm not taking an for an answer.
4: Huey, there's something that you don't know about Aunt Clara. What? Wheel a Mint. <laughs>
2: oh, isn't it?
5: Goo da da mama.
4: <laughs> What's that? Well, that's Aunt Clara's baby. Well,
6: that's something Aunt Clara didn't know either.
2: Huggle,
6: go gobble, gobble. <laughs> Clara? Is that your baby? Yes, Huey. Where's the father?
4: Well, um playing piggyback with the baby. How? He fell off the baby's back.
6: Uncle <laughs> <Buggle>, Gobble Gobble. Huey, <laughs> isn't little Artie cute? You know, you hold him one way and he looks just like my husband.
4: Yeah, and you hold him the other way and he looks just like you. Yes.
6: <laughs> well, babe, give Uncle Huey a little smack. Yeah? <laughs> oh, what? Well, he, he slapped me. Oh, well, he didn't mean it, Huey. I'm not so. Say, any time an infant can give Huey Salas a black eye, is good enough to be my son. Clara, next week we get married. Married? Oh! <laughs> Gee, George fainted.
2: Well,
4: will George come too? Will he have to marry Huey Salas? Will he have orange blossoms in his hair? Or will he's on his chest? Will he ever get out of this mess? Will we ever get out of the hot water bottle? Well, come to the wedding, you're all invited.
3: Friends, I know you'll like Spam and Waffles. Just as the young lady told Gracie Allen earlier in the program how much she enjoyed Spam and Waffles, this new breakfast or supper combination is a real taste surprise. And so easy. While the waffles are browning, open a can of Spam, cut off thin slices and fry quickly in a hot pan. Or dice Spam and drop on the batter just before you close the waffle line. The juicy, meaty flavor of Spam adds a satisfying goodness to this appetite-appealing meal of Spam and Waffles. Try it tomorrow. Just remember to ask your food dealer for Spam, the meat of many uses. Be with us again next Monday night, same time, same station, for another George Burns and Gracie Allen show with Artie Shawn, his orchestra, and the smoothies. Until then, this is Bud Easton reminding you to remember that cold or hot, Spam hits the spot. This is the National Broadcasting Company. It's Monday night, and time for Burns and Allen. And when the kitchen clock warns, hurry up, Mother, time for the youngsters to come running home, take it easy and solve the school lunch problem with Spam. S-P-A-M. Spam is that delicious meat originated and made only by Hormel. It's packed in a handy can, all ready to eat as soon as it's open. No fuss, no bother. Just cut off slices of this taste-tempting meat, put between slices of buttered bread, and say to the hungry youngsters, have a Spamwich. A perfect combination of sweet, juicy pork shoulder and tender ham, Spam has an extra goodness and meaty flavor all its own. Youngsters go for Spam in a big way. Try Spam tomorrow. When you see the easy recipes on the label, you'll discover you can serve Spam cold or hot. It's America's popular mealtime aid. So ask your food dealer for S-P-A-M, Spam.
8: Tracy to kids. Tracy to kids. Come in, kids. Come in, kids. It's here at last. The new Dick Tracy two-way wrist radio that keeps you in constant touch with your buddies. Easy to work. Up, antenna. Switch on, press talk button, and you broadcast from room to room, and even house to house. No wires needed, yet voices travel back and forth. Radio on the open road from one bike to another, or when out hiking.
0: Dad, Dad, I found a bear's cave! Be right down, son. The powerful, fully transistorized Dick Tracy two-way wrist radio is a real electronic instrument.
8: Make sure all the fellows get their A O K Dick Tracy wrist radio so they can keep in touch. Over and out. The one and only Dick Tracy wrist radio, wherever American toys are sold.
3: In just a moment, X minus one. But first, when you hear the hearty laugh and familiar voice of the great sleep tomorrow night, you know you're in for some hilarious adventures. Because whenever Gildy is around... Somehow things never seem to go as planned. It might be his impulsive nature, or maybe it's his incurable weakness for the fairest sex, but whatever it is, the great Gildersleeve is bound to keep you laughing for a full 25 minutes. Tune in tomorrow night and meet Judge Hooker, Nephew Leroy, Housekeeper Bertie, and all the rest of the friendly people from Summerfield as they join the great Gildersleeve. Now stay tuned for X-1 on NBC.
8: Tonight's story, Time and Time Again, by H. Beam Piper. It happened during a routine skirmish in the Great War. Patrols advanced from the defense perimeter under jet cover and preceded by napalm throwers. The enemy defended in depth and mopped up with guided 98s fired from 40 miles to the rear. The blast area was 10 miles in circumference. And the medics didn't find much to pick up over 500 yards in.
9: Come on, come on. All right, now back it in here. Look out,
0: it's lousy with mud. More, more. Now now, cut left. More, hold it. Stretches.
10: Come on, Travers, get those men out. Yes, sir. Get a move on. Line them up. Come on. Easy, easy. You want to kill them?
9: Okay, take it away. Joe's where they was. Half of them won't last till the plane comes. As long as they're alive, they'll be treated. Get those tags out, driver. Start taking names. Yes, sir. This one must have been a thousand yards in. Get his dog tag out. What a mess. Here. Hartley Allen, Captain G5, Chem Research, AN-73D. Number S-O-23869-403-J. Hartley? Allen Hartley. Oh, that must be the Hartley that wrote, uh, Children of the Mist and Conquer's Road. Never heard of him. Oh. Major. Major, oh. I think maybe he's partly conscious. Oh. and I better give him another shot? Go ahead, Sergeant. There isn't much else we can do for him. It's a rotten shame. Yeah, ain't it always. Okay, Captain, let me have that arm. There. <laughs>
11: Oh God, Tom, Tom! Uh. Get up, Alan. Can't stay in bed all day.
12: I remember that clear as if it were real.
11: Up and at him. Hit the deck.
12: Remarkably vivid. It's strange.
11: Alan, are you all right?
12: I'm all right. What's wrong with my voice?
11: Ah, uh. ah. Uh. Uh why what are you doing practicing singing my voice has changed (laughs) is that all you're growing up happy birthday happy birthday hey wake up son wake up i am awake it's impossible i i am awake the way you slept through that alarm i'd say it was impossible come on out of bed i don't understand you went to bed at a decent hour you could wake up the next morning come on son breakfast waiting out of bed or i'll turn it over all right all right Dream. Maybe, but you're wide awake now. I am. I'm awake. Well, half awake anyway. That's the
12: bell at Saint Boniface, isn't it? What, what day is it?
11: Are you kidding? You forget today's your birthday?
12: No, no, no. I, I didn't forget.
11: Neither did I. Here, son. Happy thirteenth birthday. <laughs> you won't guess what's in here.
12: A rifle. A light twenty-two rifle.
11: Oh. Oh, now, how did you know that? I remembered. Did I spill the beans sometime? No. Oh. <laughs> I could have sworn it would be a surprise. Well, go on. Open it. Mm. You like it?
10: Yeah.
12: Yeah, it's perfect, Dad.
11: Uh, we'll have to lay down rules about using it. and I'll have to teach you how to operate it. I don't believe in letting a boy handle a gun until he really knows how. <laughs> If I let you play with that thing before I teach you about guns, you'd blow your head off. I suppose, sir. I'll be shaving, Alan. Come down to breakfast when you're ready. Well, it's a big day today. You're almost a man. Almost? (laughs) You're still groggy. Snap out of it, Alan. I I will. There's a dream in it somewhere, but I'm not
12: sure which. What? Never mind, Dad. I'll be right down for breakfast.
11: What are you going to do today, son?
12: Well, I want to do some reading this morning. I oh,
11: guess. That's always a good thing to do. After breakfast, suppose you take a walk down to the station and get me a Times. Didn't it come? What, the Times? Well, they don't deliver. <laughs> Be a good idea, though. Maybe I'll talk to Sam Ashburn about it. Here's a half dollar, Alan. Get anything you want for yourself out of the change. Thanks, Dad. Uh, finish your milk before
12: you go. Uh, sure, Dad. Thanks for the money.
11: You're big enough to handle it now. Hurry back. I'd like to finish the crossword puzzle before lunch. Here you are, Alan. One times. Tell your father the puzzle's a stinker this week. Yeah, thanks, Mr. Ashburn. Look out for the trucks when you cross the highway. I'll go across Elton's lot. It's a shortcut. Elton's? (laughs) You'll have a hard time crossing there, son. There's four buildings on that block.
12: I thought they burned down.
11: I've seen him this morning, big as life.
12: I guess that didn't happen yet. What'd you say? Nothing, Mr. Ashburn. I was just muttering.
11: Mm. My days, youngsters talked up.
12: Uh, Yes, sir. Bye, Mr. Ashburn. Monday, August 6th, 1945. Okinawa 1 in
0: japan hey hey alan huh? alan wait up hey larry morton hi larry hi al you going to sunday school uh, no i have some things i want to do at home oh get him fancy pants talk things i want to do at home oh go chase yourself around the block go jump in a garbage can go take a flying jet to the moon hey, hey that's a new one flying jet to the moon you thought up a new one al yeah i wish i could stay home from sunday school when i wanted to how about us going swimming at the canoe club after? Oh, I wish I could. I got to stay home. We're expecting company. A couple of aunts of mine. Dad wants me to stay home when they come. Aunt's are a pain. Nothing I can do. You see the football movie at the Grand? Boy, what a team. Notre Dame. I thought you'd like Cornell. Cornell? Ha! Huh. They couldn't beat Vassar. Well, you're going to go to Cornell, aren't you? Me, Cornell? Fat chance. I'll bet you do. I wouldn't take your money. I know you wouldn't, but you'll go to Cornell, all right. Ah, Cornell, far above Cayuga's waters, there's an awful smell. Just the same, you'll go to Cornell. Larry, I, I gotta go. Well, so long, Al. I'll
12: see you. So long, Larry. See you.
11: stuck in this corner staring at letter word a mix in proportion
12: titrate huh? titrate mm.
11: T-I it fits now, now how, how did you know that Alan?
12: that? I read it somewhere I guess
11: oh what's you reading now? Tarzan again?
12: no not, not Tarzan
11: it's refreshing to see you with a book Sometimes I think I ought to forbid comic books in the house. Hmm. Yeah, they must be raising the devil with those bombing raids in Japan.
12: How long do you think the war in Japan will last, Dad?
11: Oh? Hmm, I'd say to the middle of 1946. They'll have to invade those islands foot by foot.
12: I don't think so, Dad. I wouldn't be surprised if the war was over very suddenly.
11: How, by magic? (laughs) There isn't a thing on earth will make those Japanese surrender. You expect somebody to make a pass, and it'll be all over by this afternoon. Something like that. Mm, I wish you could. Be a lot of boys dead in the invasion of Japan.
10: Mister Hartley, excuse me, please. Oh, hello, Mister Gutchell.
11: That's Frank Gutchell, Dad. That's right.
10: Excuse me. I didn't mean to disturb you, Mister Hartley. Mm, it's
11: all right. Lovely day, isn't it, Mister Gutchell?
10: Uh, Mister Hartley, the Lord's day is always beautiful. Mm.
11: <laughs> of course, Mister Gutchell.
10: Mister Hartley, I, I wonder if. Uh, if you could lend me a gun and some bullets. My little dog's been hurt and it's been suffering something terrible.
11: Oh, that's too bad.
10: I want a gun to put the poor thing out of its pain.
11: Of course. Uh, now how would a 20-gauge shotgun do? You wouldn't want anything heavy.
10: I was hoping you'd let me have a little gun. Maybe, oh, uh, so big. Pistol? So I could put it in my pocket. It wouldn't look right to carry a hunting gun on the Lord's Day. and People wouldn't understand... That it was for a work of mercy.
11: Of course, I understand. You're, you're a very religious man.
10: The whole world is evil, Mr. Hartley.
11: Yeah, sometimes it certainly looks like it. Well, I have a Colt 38 Special from the Auxiliary Police Outfit.
10: Well, that's fine. Now, you've
11: got to bring it right back, Mr. Gutchel. I might be called out. Now, you'll have to promise to get it right back.
12: Uh, Dad, uh, uh, wait a minute. I, I just
11: remembered. Uh, remembered what?
12: Well, aren't there some cartridges left for the Luger? Uh, then you wouldn't be without the Colt.
11: That's right. I have got a German automatic I could let you have. That way I wouldn't get stuck. You'd have to return it promptly, though.
12: Oh, wait, Dad. I'll get it. I know where the cartridge is. Be careful,
11: son. Well, Mr. Gutchell, it sure turned out nice after
12: all that. Hello, police headquarters. This is Blake Hartley. Frank Gutschel, who lives on Campbell Street, has just borrowed a gun from me, ostensibly to shoot a dog. What? No, he has no dog. He intends shooting his wife. Now listen, he'll walk home. If you hurry, you can get a man there on time. What? No, but I wish you'd get my pistol back to me. It's from the First World War. All right, all right, then you'll take care of it. Goodbye.
11: There you are. What kept you, Alan?
12: Well, I couldn't find the cartridges at first. I'll show Mr. Gutchell how it works. It's all loaded, ready to shoot. This is the safety. Just push it forward and up. There are eight shots in it. Did you load the chamber, Ellen? Sure. It's unsafe now. You understand how it works, Mr.
10: Gutchel? Oh, yes. Yes, I understand. Thank you, Mr. Hartley. Thank you, Sonny. Goodbye.
11: Goodbye, Mr. Gutchell. Return the gun when you're done.
10: Yes, I'll be done with it soon. Goodbye.
11: Ellen. You shouldn't have loaded that gun.
12: I guess it's all over now. I had to keep you from fooling with it. I didn't want you to see I took out the firing pin. You what? Gutchell didn't want that gun to shoot a dog. He's a fanatic. He sees visions, hears voices. The voices probably put him up to this. I'll submit that any man who holds intimate conversations with disembodied spirits isn't to be trusted with a gun. What are you talking about? While I was at it, I called the police upstairs. I put a handkerchief over my mouth and told them I was you. You? Why did you have to do that? I couldn't have told them this is little Alan Hartley, 13 years old.
11: And suppose he really wants to shoot a dog. What kind of a mess will I be in then?
12: No mess. If I'm wrong, which I'm not, I'll take the rap for it. Dumb kid trick, you know. But if I am right, you'll have to front for me. they give me a lot of cheap boy hero publicity, which I don't want.
11: This is crazy, Alan. This is absolutely crazy.
12: Maybe. We'll have the complete returns in 20 minutes.
11: Mr. Hartley? Mr. Blake Hartley? That's right.
9: I'm
3: Detective Sergeant Kaborski from Homicide. Here's your Luger.
11: Thank you.
8: I don't know how you spotted that guy, but... When we busted in, he was pointing that gun at his wife and swearing a blue streak because it wouldn't go off.
11: I'm, uh... I'm glad I was able to help.
3: You know, they may even have some kind of a citation for you, Mr. Hartley.
11: I, I, I don't think that's necessary.
3: In the department, we figure a little publicity never hurt nobody.
11: Even a lawyer, huh? I really would prefer it if it kept quiet.
3: Well, whatever you say. Uh, we'll want you to drop around in the morning for a statement. i will be
11: glad to. Well, goodbye. Goodbye, Sonny. Uh, goodbye, goodbye, Sergeant. Sergeant.
12: Uh... Why don't you take the citation,
11: Dad? Well, you were right. You saved that woman's life. Now, let's see you put back the firing pin. Sure.
2: There.
11: All right, Alan. Suppose we have a little talk. But
12: I explained everything.
11: You did not... Yesterday, you wouldn't even have known how to take this pistol apart. Today, you've been using language and expressing ideas that are outside of everything you've ever known before. Now, I want to know... I hope you're not toying with the medieval notion of obsession.
12: What? Well, you say I'm changed. When did you first notice this?
11: Well, last night, you were still my little boy. This morning, I don't know. You've been strange all day. There's been something... Alan, what's happened to you?
12: I wish I could be sure of myself, Dad. You see, when I woke this morning, I hadn't the least recollection of anything I'd done yesterday. August 4th, 1945.
11: Oh, that's serious. You
12: don't know how serious. My last memory was lying on a stretcher, injured by a bomb explosion. I was 43 years old, and the year was 1975.
11: 1975? Well, that's right. You'll be 43 in 1975, but, but... But a bomb? Yes.
12: During the siege of Buffalo in the Third World War... I was a captain in G5 Scientific Warfare General Staff. Buffalo? You mean Buffalo, New York? There'd been a transpolar invasion of Canada. I was sent to the front to check on service values of a new lubricating oil. A week after I got there, Ottawa fell and the retreat started. We made a stand at Buffalo, and that was where I got it. I remember being picked up and getting a narcotic injection. The next thing I knew, I was in bed upstairs, and it was 1945 again, and I was back in my own 13-year-old body. <laughs>
11: Oh, Alan, you just had a nightmare to end all nightmares, that's all.
12: I thought it might be that at first, but I
11: rejected it. It won't fit the facts. But it's ridiculous. All this battle of buffalo stuff. You picked up something listening to the radio. All the commentators have been going on about another war after this one. You've just got an undigested hunk of H.V. Calvin born in your subconscious, that's all. But
12: that isn't everything. I remember four years of high school, four years at Cornell, seven years as a reporter on the Philadelphia Record, three novels, Children of the Mist, *Rose of Death, Conqueror's Road. You think a 13-year-old can dream up all that stuff? But it's the only possible explanation. Maybe, but I can speak five languages today that I couldn't yesterday. French, German, Chinese, Russian, and a little Spanish. Although I've got a Mexican accent you could cut with a knife. But,
11: but how did it happen? I, Alan, I, I can't believe it.
12: All I know is here I am. I've been reading up on time theories. Nobody seems to know much about them. Evidently, time exists parallel as another dimension, and I got kicked backwards along it. But how? Oh, it may have been the radiations from the bomb or the narcotic injection, or both together. But the fact remains, I'm here with full knowledge of my future identity.
11: This, this is quite a shock, Ellen.
12: But you do believe me, don't you?
11: Yes, I suppose I must. You seem so strange as if you weren't my son.
12: I'm your son, all right. Same body as yesterday. I- I've just had an educational shortcut.
11: <sighs> Wait a minute. If you can remember the next 30 years, suppose you tell me when the war is going to end. This one against the Japs, I mean.
12: Oh, sure. Sure. Well, a Japanese surrender will be announced at exactly 7:01 p.m. on August 14th. That's a week from Tuesday.
11: A week from Tuesday.
12: You better make sure we have plenty of grub in the house by then. Everything will be closed up tight till Thursday morning, even the restaurants. I remember we had nothing to eat in the house but some scraps.
11: A week from Tuesday. That's pretty sudden, isn't it? Not after today. What do you mean? What happened today?
12: Oh, plenty. Uh, what time is it, Dad?
11: Mm. That's 11:16. Is your watch right? Well, to the seconds, why?
12: Well, it'll come at exactly 11:17:40.
11: What'll come? The radio announcement. What are you getting at? Something important on the radio? Well, we'll see.
12: Well, don't bother, Dad. It won't work. I remember we had a tube burned out.
11: Well, there is something wrong. When is this announcement of yours? Now I
12: remember it. I, I memorized it in journalism school in 1954. What, what time
11: is it? 11, 18 o'clock.
12: Well, we're breaking into the program now. President Truman has just announced that an atomic bomb has been dropped on the Japanese industrial city of Hiroshima. The bomb was dropped 16 hours ago, and the announcement was delayed to ascertain the results of the explosion. A man named John Howard Peterson read that announcement from the Washington newsroom with NBC.
11: I... I don't believe it.
12: No? Well, listen. But... That's the Burke-Platt factory whistle. A- and the bells of St. Boniface. Now, next, the whistle at the volunteer firehouse.
11: You're not? Then it's true.
12: It's true. Sure. Then Larry Morton came by on his bicycle. Hey,
0: hey, hey, Al. Al, you hear? You hear about the bomb? An atomic bomb? Yeah, we heard. Boy, atomic bomb. Oh, boy. I gotta go find my poppies on the golf course. Bye, Al. Bye, Mr. Hartley.
12: You knew. You knew about it. The next bomb hits Nagasaki.
11: I thought that stuff about atomic energy was so much fantasy. Was it? Was that the kind of bomb that got you?
12: That was a firecracker to the one that got me. It was a guided 98. Exploded 10 miles away.
11: And that's going to happen in 30 years? I remember it. How about... Well, uh... How about me? Oh, wait, wait. Uh, Never mind. I don't think I'd better know when I'm going to die.
12: I couldn't tell you anyway. I had a letter from you just before I left for the front. You were 78 then, and you were still hunting and fishing and flying your own plane...
11: But another war, and fought on American soil. Oh, Ellen, I wish this hadn't happened to you.
12: It happened. I remember it. But if I can help it, I'm not going to get killed in any battle of Buffalo.
11: But if you remember it, if time exists as a parallel dimension, then every tick we're getting closer to that third world war.
12: Dad, you know what I remembered when Gutschall came to borrow that gun? Well,
11: no, I suppose that you suspected him and warned me. No,
12: no, no, that wasn't it. The other time, the first time, when I was really 13, I wasn't home. I'd been swimming at the canoe club with Larry Morton. When I got home about a half an hour from now, I found the house full of cops.
11: But if the gun didn't fire... What
12: makes you think it didn't? Gutchill talked the thirty-eight out of you. He went home, shot his wife four times in the body, once behind the ear, and used the sixth shot to blow his own brains out.
11: That's what you remember?
12: Yes. The cops traced the gun. They took a very poor view of your lending it to him. You never got it back.
11: But here it is.
12: Oh, not the way I remember it. But I didn't want you in trouble, so I warned you. Dad, I found out the future can be changed.
11: (laughs) One man can't change the whole future. I stopped a murder and a suicide. I know,
12: but... With uh... 30 years to work, I can stop a world war. I'll have the means, too. The means? Unlimited wealth and influence. I've got a good memory, Dad. I wrote a list out this afternoon.
11: Salt... Jet pilot, citation, ponder, middle ground. What is this, a code?
12: Horses. That's a list of Kentucky Derby winners from 1946 to
11: 1970.
12: Huh? You sure? I learned that list on a bet at the Officers' club in Cincinnati in 1971. Assault paid eight to one. You figure out what we can take in. But gambling. Oh, this isn't gambling. It's a sure thing. When we get rolling, we'll make the Rockefellers look like pikers.
11: Hmm. Assault at eight to one. Mm -hmm. I suppose I could scrape up five thousand (laughs) dollars. Hmm. In ten years, that'll make a lot of money. Uh, any other little thing you have in mind, Ellen? Well, by
12: 1952, we start building a political organization here in Pennsylvania. In uh, 1960, I think we can elect you
11: president. President? Isn't that going a little too far?
12: Well, why not? Who wouldn't vote for a politician who was always right? Hmm. Besides, that's the one thing we've got to change. In 1960, we had a man in the White House who was good to his wife and sang a nice tenor, and that's about all. He followed up so completely, we ended up at war. And I think President Hartley might be a little more trusted to take a strong line.
11: But I don't know anything about international decisions.
12: I do. I know all the wrong ones. If we can stop one murder, we can stop a war. It's worth a try, isn't it? I guess so. Hmm. Uh...
11: Uh, How do I start?
12: Well, as I remember, just after the bomb announcement, you got a phone call from the city fusion party about the next election. There's a lot of talk about a reform ticket. Well, that call is going to be important, Dad. It's the turning point. Now, now you've got to know...
11: There it is. Well, what do I do? Well, answer it. Go ahead. But...
12: Don't worry. I'll tell you what to do. Go ahead.
11: Hello? Yes, this is Blake Hartley. Judge Cribbins. Yes. Uh, Just a moment. Alan, oh, he's asking me to run. Oh, my head. Alan. Oh, Alan, what's the matter? Oh. Alan. He passed out. Alan, what do I do now? Alan, listen to me. Alan. Alan, what's the matter?
10: Captain. Captain Hartley. Captain Hartley.
9: He was all right, Doctor. I gave him a shot and he was all right. He's dead. All right, Sergeant. Make out the tag. Hartley Allen, Captain. Dead, April eighth, nineteen seventy-five.
11: Allen. Allen, what happened? Allen. Allen. Uh, uh. Allen, are you all right? Oh, hi, Dad. I've got Judge Crimmins on the phone. What do I tell him? What, what? Alan, are you all right? You passed out.
12: Sure. I'm all right. Hey, today's my birthday, isn't it? What'd you get for my birthday, huh?
11: Don't you remember? The Third World War?
12: What Third World War? Gee, Dad, what's the matter? You're looking at me funny.
11: You don't remember. You're back again, aren't you? Back to 13 years old.
12: Sure, I'm 13 today. For corn's sake, Dad.
11: You must have died up there. It was only a mine transfer. That means I'm on my own. I have to do it myself without your help.
12: Help for what? If it's the grass, I said I'd cut it tomorrow. No,
11: no, it's not the grass. I've got to save your life, Alan. I can't let you die that way in 1975.
12: What are you talking about, Dad? You sound goofy. I've
11: got to change it all by myself.
12: change what?
11: Never mind, Alan. You don't know yet. Come on. Let's have lunch.
12: Sure, Dad, but how about my present now? What'd you give me for my birthday, In huh? a
11: minute, son. Go on in. Okay.
12: Well, hurry up, Dad,
11: huh? Sure, all right. Hmm. Now, where did I put that
8: list of horses? You have just heard X-1, presented by the National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Street and Smith, publishers of astounding science fiction. Tonight, by transcription, X-1 has brought you Time and Time Again, written by H. Beam Piper and adapted for radio by Ernest Canoy. Featured in the cast were Jack Grimes... Peter Fernandez, Joe DeSantis, Joseph Bell, Clark Gordon, Herm Dinkin, Dick Hamilton, and James Dukas. Your announcer, Fred Collins. X-Minus One was directed by Daniel Sutter and is an NBC Radio Network production.